0: We cross the line and explore the dark side of justice. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, Characters and universes of our favorite video games. I'm Lawrence, and my name's Abu. And I feel like this is the first time there's ever been a Lawrence and Abu collab episode where it's just us. Is it? Yeah. I think
1: you might be right. Yep
0: yeah, this is the this is the first one. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh! <laughs> it only took seven seasons and 150 episodes.
0: This is what the fans have been have been asking for,
1: right? Right. Well, I'm excited, and I I think it, you know if I were to pick a game to talk about with you, this would be the game. Today's game would be
0: the game. Oh yeah, this is uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So you guys don't know, we're covering Marvel Spider-Man for the PlayStation 4. Um, mm-hmm. but before we before we dive into the episode, um. There was a quote when I was doing research and looking at um, episode topics to talk about like this quote kind of really helped me form all of this together. Mm -hmm. It's from Charles Dickinson. And it's uh, the quote is, have a heart that never hardens and a temper that never tires and a touch that never hurts. I love it. I I think that this like encapsulates what we're going to talk about today.
1: Oh, totally. I, I think the quote stands very much on its own. It's a beautiful quote with a wonderful message, but keeping that quote in mind as you and I have this discussion today, super relevant to the characters we're going to talk about, super relevant to the themes we're going to touch on today. Yes. This was this was a very, very good quote that you picked out. I think when I was reviewing this script and uh, doing my research for today's episode, this was a quote I had in the back of my mind, and it was extremely relevant. And I was just like, wow, perfect. This encapsulates everything.
0: Yes, and so if you're here to listen to us talk about Spider-Man, well, we're probably not gonna <laughs> focus on him today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so sorry, fans of Spider-Man, you'll just have to, you'll just, you know, you'll you'll be fine. But uh,
1: t- yeah, TBD on the the Spidey episodes.
0: But today, we're actually going to focus on like two of the my favorite characters in the game that I thought were pretty interesting. We're going to take a look at. Martin Lee, aka Mr. Negative and uh uh Captain Yuri Watanabe from the NYPD.
1: Yeah, two really interesting characters and I think the the sort of theme of today's episode, the the through line that we're going to touch back on over and over again and that connects beautifully back to that Charles Dickens quote is this idea of good people being pushed to the line, and then crossing that line. Yes. Because both Martin and Yuri are good people, you know, by many standards. Martin created Feast, which is a a homeless shelter. Martin cares about other people. Right. But at the same time as Mr. Negative, and we're going to get into it, he does some terrible things. Right. And it's a very similar story with Yuri. She's a NYPD officer, and... Uh, you know, no matter what you think about the police, Yuri as a character herself is ostensibly a good person who works with Spider-Man, is friends with Spider-Man, and because of certain events in her life and how things play out, she does things that are bad. And we're gonna we're gonna get into both of these characters and really talk about what forced them to make these choices, what other choices they could have made, and whether they were even justified in in the paths they chose for their life
0: right and so kind of diving straight into it um you know the first character that we want to take a look at is martin lee and honestly when i first played this game and you know we got to the to the reveal that martin lee is mr negative and that he's been you know doing these things behind the scenes it's almost heartbreaking because the beginning of the game you see this just this like super caring person that's using their like great wealth to just help other people. The only selfless billionaire that's out there. (laughs) (laughs) Like Jeff Bezos, take note. So like, right,
1: right. Where's your homeless shelter? Jeff Bezos.
0: Exactly. Stop asking me for money. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. You're totally right though. Like we're introduced to Lee I think one of the very first scenes where Peter interacts with Martin Lee is, uh, I, I think it's the five-year anniversary of Aunt May working at Feast, and Martin Lee's throwing like a surprise party for her with a giant cake, and it's like a very cute scene, very beautiful scene, and you're just like, wow, you know, like this guy that Aunt May works for is a good guy. He cares for his employees. He's He's on a mission to, you know, help the downtrodden people of the city. This is a good guy. Yeah. So, Lawrence, we, sh- we should talk about Lee's past. Like, we let, let's get caught. Let's back up a little bit and talk about it, sort of his origin story, because I think that explains a lot of who he becomes later in life.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and it's something that you do find out later in the game. He actually, he was born in China. And I think his parents moved um, to Manhattan when he was really young and he was stricken with some sort of genetic disease that they don't really go too much into, but somehow they end up in Oscorp and they're just, they have supposed to have some experimental treatment that they can do. And in like the initial, during the initial treatment, I think that they were just supposed to be, they were told that they were just prepping him, like just running some regular tests. But Mm -hmm. Norman Osborn actually introduces a, like early version of this genetic treatment that later became known as devil's breath. Um, they inject him with it and it gives him these powers, but he can't control them. And the res- end result is he ends up accidentally killing his parents.
1: Yeah. Super, super tragic scene.
0: Right. And you just hear like, yeah. You know, um, cause it's Norman and Otto and you just hear Otto just like yelling at him, like, you know, what have you done? And it's just, it's crazy. You realize at that moment that, like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Like, he wasn't supposed to be administered this drug. And if they were going to run some tests, they probably shouldn't have, you know, done it with his parents being that close. So, the result of this is, you know, he ends up killing his parents. And then he ends up in foster care. He just, you know, kind of gets discarded into the system. And you know, he's alone for a long time. He's alone throughout his life. And there's like, it's a, he's got a a really interesting origin story to me because it's, it almost starts like the, you know, typical superhero origin story. There's this, you know, great event that happens and, you know, some kind of power is, is gained because of it. The problem is, like Martin Lee doesn't necessarily like you know go that path of being a superhero but he almost does something close so when he gets older he moves back to China um and then becomes a billionaire in the shipping industry and he makes a ton of money so you know like right, right. super come up going from being you know having no money being poor being in the system to being a billionaire <laughs> um this guy actually moves back to to Manhattan And he starts Feast, which is New York's largest um, homeless shelter and charitable organization. Mm -hmm. So he really takes his great wealth and he distributes it back into the community. And he does it because he spent so much time in the system. He doesn't want people to feel like they're alone. He's giving the homeless and downtrodden community, like, he's giving them a second chance. He's putting them, you know, back into the workforce. He's helping out people. He's doing, like, this this amazing work right and at the same time he also starts his his like his crime organization the demons he starts those that in in uh, in secret and they're like kind of lying in wait because he still has this this like kind of thirst for revenge but the thing that i guess separates him from most villains is that feast isn't a front for his larger organization. Feast is something that he's actually doing to honor the memory of his parents and their legacy.
1: Yeah, no, that's a that's a really interesting point. Like, Feast isn't a way to cover his illicit activities. Feast is another part of Martin Lee, just as much as the demons are a part of him. Feast is something that he genuinely wants to do, that he's literally invested in his own money, his own time. That's something he also wants to succeed just like he wants to get his revenge against Osborne just like he wants to take over the the right. underworld through his you know activities via the the demons the inner demons and i think that this dichotomy is really interesting and this dichotomy is what defines Martin Lee this idea that he has both light and dark in him literally because of his powers he can <laughs> harness He can harness negative energy when he becomes Mr. Negative, but he's also just a good person. And I think that speaks to this idea that that's all of us, right? All of us have light and dark in us, and there's some balance of those two things. Nobody is just a good person, and nobody is just a bad person. And Martin Lee literally exemplifies that in a physical manifestation of his powers.
0: Yeah, and even there, like, you know, there was... You know, when he knew that this was going to happen and like when Peter found out, like he read some notes that were left in Martin Lee's office where he's like, he's writing a letter to Aunt May and he's explaining like, you know, I didn't, you know, part of me didn't want things to happen this way. Like part of me didn't want to do this, but it's, it's a necessity. Like it's something that I have to do, like seeking revenge to Martin Lee from his perspective, it's it's justice like to him it's not so much that norman osborn wronged him personally it's that norman osborn is like is doing this to everyone norman osborn is bad for the city and for humanity because he doesn't care about anyone and he'll do things that like deliberately put people in danger or kill them
1: right and, and notably Mayor Norman Osborne, someone with actual power in the city, is, yeah, like, imagine being Martin Lee, like, for a second, if we can put ourselves in Martin's shoes, imagine being Martin, this terrible thing happened to you in your childhood, it quite literally fucked up your life, and you ended up in an orphanage, who knows how the system maybe tossed him around as he was a kid, I'm sure there's some trauma there. And then you, you know, whatever you go back to China, you become a self-made billionaire, you become very successful, and then you come back and you try to help people. And then you watch this piece of shit (laughs) who turned your life around (laughs) rise to like be elected as the mayor of the city that you, you know, I, I imagine Martin Lee loves New York. It's where He's very attached to. There's a reason he would come back from China to New York and open a feast and try to help the people there. He probably saw how New York helped him as a kid when he was an orphan, and he wants to give back to that city. Imagine that city <laughs> electing the person who <laughs> who did that to you, who totally fucked up your life. That's got to be so hard to watch.
0: And one of the one of the interesting things about like Martin Lee as Mister Negative is he's still he does actually think of himself as like a hero. He thinks of himself more as like a, you know, a hero that has to like do, do bad things or become a demon to dispense justice accordingly. Yeah. And like that, that is the, the awesome thing about Martin Lee. And that's why I think he fits into this episode because Martin Lee is, was definitely a good person that, felt like they had to cross the line. Like if they, they you know, if, if it was just like, just giving back to the people isn't enough because there are still people like Norman Osborn that create situations uh, for people that put them in the same position that he was in.
1: Yeah, and that's such a good point, Lawrence. Like this idea that villains, wh- whether they're fictional villains in a story like Spider-Man or real life, you know, like bad people, don't see themselves as bad people and, in fact, could do things that are objectively good. Martin Lee has Feast. He helps the the downtrodden people of the city. That's an objectively good thing that he's doing. But even the bad things that he's doing, he justifies to himself by saying, I have to do this. I have to cross this line. There has to be collateral damage in my war against Osborne because he's a much bigger threat than people realize. I know the type of threat that Osborne, you know, presents to everyone, the city, everyone around him. I need to eliminate him. This is me dispensing justice. And I think you're totally right. Like this is what fleshes out Martin Lee and Mr. Negative as a, a, a like a fully fleshed out multifaceted villain. He's not just a he's not just a crook. He's not just like Oh, I'm I'm a crime boss. I like crime. I'm going to do crime. There's way more to it than that. And there's a whole history of his trauma that feeds into his decisions whether or not we you or I agree with what he does, you know? Like he does he does effectively blow up City Hall, which is a terrorist attack, you know? Like to him that is okay because again, going back to the idea that Osborne is a bigger threat, he will do anything. Whatever it takes, literal terrorist acts to take down Osborne.
0: But you also know what the interesting thing about Martin Lee and, and like when it comes to like crossing the line, he also acknowledges the fact that, you know, he's out of balance. Him being Mr. Negative, his pursuit of Norman Osborne and the things that he has to do. He, he mentioned that like, you know, these things put me out of balance, the the thing is i think that he also recognizes that like things have to be put out of balance in order for for norman osborn who he describes as being a cancer to the city and its people to like to you know to to get rid of him to to kill him like he has to to throw these things out of balance and i mean ironically doing that Becoming, you know, becoming this demon, becoming closer to Norman Osborn. He does the thing that Norman Osborn did to him because he kills.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He inadvertently kills Miles, Miles's dad and puts him down that same
1: path. Totally. There, there's a lot of irony here with Martin Lee. Like the he again, it's cliche to say, but like he becomes the evil that he's trying to defeat. Yes because of this obsession that sort of consumes him. I, there's actually, in that same scene where that city hall terrorist attack happens, Martin says at one point, I forget the exact quote, but he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, Norman is a cancer on the city, yada, yada. He wears a mask to hide his true self. And what is Mr. Negative but a mask for Martin Lee? Yes. And what is Martin Lee but a mask for Mr. Negative? Like, the the irony here is is astounding. And I think that's where Martin Lee's justifications as much as as much as we've tried to justify why he would be obsessed with taking down Osborne and to some extent his trauma plays a role in that, the actions he takes aren't justified because he his argument starts to crumble when you realize he is doing things that are you know just as bad as Osborne and he he becomes the very thing he's trying to destroy. You know, it's almost like with great power lawrence oh boy comes great responsibility.
0: <laughs> oh man that is a great quote Roll
1: credits we're done <laughs> i mean that's a great
0: quote i need to write that one down okay we're gonna take a quick break here but stick around we'll be right back hello everyone this is michael from the lore party podcast network i'm the producer and host of minigame a podcast that takes a deeper look at the stories of our favorite video games Every episode is only about five to 10 minutes long, and I analyze the themes, characters, and stories in the games we love and highlight games you may never heard of before. Subscribe to Minigame and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere else you find podcasts.
1: All right, Lawrence, let's talk about, let's move on to Yuri Watanabe because her story is very similar, um, but there are some unique aspects of it.
0: I really, really, really love her story because Yuri is present throughout the entire story and you really don't get, like, really see the, the shift in Yuri until we get into the DLCs. So Yuri is a, a police captain in the NYPD She is, I believe, a third generation uh, police officer. Interestingly enough, like her, I think it was her grandfather. There's, there's also a split with her, uh, her family and what type of police officer they were. So Yuri's grandfather, uh, Kenneth Watanabe, actually got like the NYPD medal of honor. So very honorable man, you know, obviously did his job well, dispensed justice appropriately, you know, good person. On the other hand, her dad, uh, was convicted of accepting bribes from the Magia, which was the, uh, like the mob basically. So Mm -hmm. Yuri herself, um, before she was a cop, she was in the army, uh, and then eventually became a cop, became a police captain. So like, just kind of get kind of giving her backstory is just to show that, that Yuri obviously has this kind of strong sense of justice because it's something that she's obviously been around her entire life. You know, on top of what they teach you to believe as a cop or, you know, on top of what most people believe law enforcement is, Yuri shows you from the very beginning of the game that she does have her own sense of justice and her own beliefs in the justice system because she is the cop that utilizes Spider-Man. Spider-Man is also a vigilante. right? So, like... You know, your average everyday cop like Spider-Man even mentions during the game that he's got to get out of some of the crime scenes quickly because, you know, he's had poor run ins with the police. Yuri Watanabe feeds him information and utilizes him as like sort of like an extension of the police. Like he can go where they can't go. He can, uh, you know, do the things that they can't do. And like he can dispense justice in a manner that um, like where like cops wouldn't be able to do that.
1: Right. Right. And that's such a good point the idea that Spidey can do things that the cops can't do. That's not just in like the physical superpower sense that could be in, that could be in the sense of like, Oh, this is something outside our jurisdiction, or this is something that, you know, I, as a cop would get in trouble for doing, let me call up Spidey and have him do it instead. Right. You're totally right. Like Yuri is already sort of towing this line where she is, asking for a vigilante to help and to, uh, you know, dispense justice in whatever way that Spidey sees fit. And of course, Peter is a good person, and obviously he's our protag- protagonist, and he won't abuse that power. And I'm sure Yuri knows that and under- understands that anything Peter will do, she can trust. But at the same time, like, what she is doing is Technically unlawful. Like, I doubt the NYPD is like, yeah, cool. Let's hire super powered, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> super powered 20 some year olds to help us fight the bad guys. Like, that's not part of their procedures. Yuri is doing this like herself. She, you know, she's got a direct line with Peter. This is right. not something that she's doing in an official capacity.
0: And, you know, she's giving, she's also feeding him like confidential. Like, case files and... <laughs> so, like, she's totally just doing everything, like, a police captain shouldn't do, because, you know, she's a captain. She also has people that are under her. She's supposed to lead by example. But, I mean, to her, this is... It's totally fine. And, I mean, just like you mentioned, Peter's a Peter's a good guy, so it's not bad for Peter to, to do it, but it is also a double standard. But... You know, we get into the Silver Lining DLCs and we start to see like Hammerhead and the Magia pop up and they're taking this more like active role in the criminal underworld since there's no one in power. Um, You know, we really start to see things change for Yuri. It's like it starts to get it starts to get pretty dark. Like Yuri ends up. um, So just kind of setting the scene. Spider-Man once again, is helping the NYPD. (laughs) I
1: I think before you continue here, uh, we we should address that we're aware of some of the issues surrounding this game and the way it portrayed the NYPD in particular, but law enforcement in general. It 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 paints with a pretty broad brush, and we're not the first, of course, to critique the game or notice this about the game, but it... It paints the law enforcement with this broad sort of heroic brush of like, these are the good guys. These are the guys that Spidey is working with. Um, I think recent real world events with the um, protests against police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement have brought to light that that's not always the case. And maybe our fictional cops don't actually represent the reality of our law enforcement. But as it's presented in the game, we, we have to assume that the cops that spidey is working with are good people yes but uh, you know i I think it's important for us to at least acknowledge (laughs) that this is a fictionalized version of the nypd
0: yes um so the nypd is doing basically a sting operation on um on the magia hammerhead specifically and he's like kind of in this like safe house and they're storming it so during this process Yuri and her men get ambushed by Hammerhead and are captured. And mm-hmm. um, there's there's one police officer in general, like, going back, who is also a Spider-Man fan. And before they go into the building, wants to show off his Spider-Man watch to, uh, you know, to the hero <laughs> that his kid gave him. So... He was like, you know, that's the
1: point where you know this dude is not making it out alive, right? (laughs) As soon as he shows that Spider Man watch and he's showing it off, and he's like, Yeah, it's not every day you get to work with Spidey. I was like, R.I.P., this dude, right? There's no way. (laughs) It's like, This is your last
0: day getting to work with Spidey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, so my so you know, obviously, so Hammerhead basically captures everybody and. He's basically picking up each member of the uh the police unit and he's headbutting them with his metal plate. So he's like bashing their skulls in basically and killing them. Uh, um
1: it's a brutal scene.
0: Yeah. He's just it's it's just like him killing someone and then throwing their body into a pile.
1: Yeah. Just just a pile of cop bodies in the corner and Yuri is on her knees being held down watching this, like watching her team get slaughtered one by one and tossed aside like trash. And so
0: when it comes down to, you know, the man with the Spider-Man watch, he is going to be the last one to be killed or before Yuri. And then Spider-Man shows up, the lights get knocked out, and then there's like an ensuing firefight. And so we see like Yuri just, you know, kill a bunch of people. Um, but ultimately it ends up with uh, this, this police officer being killed along with the rest of them and yuri and spider-man being the last two people standing and that's Mm -hmm. the scene itself is interesting because they're in the dark uh, and she just like lights um she takes out a lighter and you know flicks it turns it on um and it's just her standing there in the darkness and i think that is super fitting for for the character that yuri becomes like she's alone in the darkness she just lost all of her men you know they're all dead in front of her. Spider Man is someone that she partners with, but Spider Man isn't a cop, right? There's not that, um, you know, there's there's not that that camaraderie between them. Like they they work together and they you know have their stupid jokes, but I <laughs> <laughs> like their Spider Cop shit. But I feel like <laughs> there's a, a different bond that these men have with her than she has with Spider Man.
1: Yeah, it's terrifying. It's such a such a beautiful scene, like you said the, this. Image of her standing in total darkness, flickering this tiny little light that's like having a hard time staying on, you know? Yeah. Like that might be like classic lore party reading too much into (laughs) something, which is very on brand for us. But to me, that's a scene where we see like this flickering light of like hope or the justice or the goodness in Yuri surrounded by so much darkness that it's having a hard time staying on and coming on. And uh, th- this tiny little light in the darkness is maybe all that's left for Yuri at this point. She has seen so much in her career. She has made it the goal of her career to fight the Magia. She's As we continue this mission alongside Yuri and against the Magia and Hammerhead, it comes to light that Yuri is trying to make up for her dad's disgraceful acts yep. and is trying to like almost single-handedly take down the Magia. She has spent the last decade, and maybe even more, obsessively jumping from unit to unit to precinct to precinct, chasing the Magia and trying to dismantle them and take them down. She is obsessed. Yes. Just like Martin Lee was obsessed with taking down Norman. And we start to see this like unravel and come out. At this point, Hammerhead and the Magia have effectively declared war against the cops, and they actually, later in the DLC, they attack a cop precinct yes and they murder more cops and spidey is like oh shit i like trust to show up in time doesn't show up in time and arrives to see uh, injured cops being carted off in ambulances and yuri uh kneeling over another one of her fellow cops like yeah. kneeling over another dead body uh another friend of hers another co-worker and this is where Yuri snaps. Yes.
0: She, you know, kicks over a dead Magia body, picks up his gun. And then when Spider Man is like, yeah. hey, where are you going? Her response is the same thing that Hammerhead said to her before mm-hmm. she, before he like killed or tried to kill the last guy with the Spider Man watch. She said that she's going to go and like dispense a little fear.
1: Yeah. Th- this is a really, this is a really ugh, just dark scene. And again, speaking, again, trying to, like, tie this back to Martin Lee and the, like, bigger discussion we're having in this episode, this idea that Yuri becomes and literally starts to echo the thing that she's obsessed with taking down. Yeah. She echoes Hammerhead's own words, I'm going to show them fear. Yes. This obsession has forced her to cross this line, to snap, and start doing the things that she swore to stop and take down start doing the uh, using the tactics that the Magia do it's terrifying to see that transformation
0: and then it's even worse to see Hammerhead start to turn himself into a robot
1: (laughs) (laughs) that caught me so off guard Yeah, I was
0: like what the fuck (laughs) just slowly becomes more and more robot as time goes on so my man turns like full robo mob cop guy and Spider Man, you know, they they goes to stop him and you get him, like, you know, you capture him, knock him out, or, you know, capture him and get him to a spot where he can't really do anything. And then here comes Yuri bursting mm-hmm. through the door and just like shoots him in the head and then like pretty much goes to finish the job. She probably would have killed him if he didn't have the giant metal plate in his
1: forehead. Yeah. I mean, not not just shoots him in the head. She comes in, pop, 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 like shoots him in the back, shoots him. I'm pretty sure at one point she shoots him in the knee or something because he like drops to his knee. Oh, yeah. Like she, again, He he's like 99% robot at this point. <laughs> She's just like breaking circuits. So like, whatever, Maybe maybe justifiable. <laughs> but then she gets up there, grabs him by the fucking neck and puts the barrel of the gun to his face. Yeah. And it's you're just like, what is happening? Spidey's freaking out. Uh, And you're totally right. Like, if if Hammerhead didn't have that metal plate, if Spidey hadn't at the last second just, like, maybe pushed her gun off slightly, uh, like, catching it with his web and slightly pushing the the barrel off center, she would have fucking killed him right then and there in cold blood.
0: Yeah, because she quite literally split his wig at that point because, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she blasted a piece of skin off his head, and you can see like the metal plate like she she went in like she was about to dispense street justice on his ass and it was crazy and yeah, you know as a cop, you can't do that <laughs> like no. you cannot bust in and you cannot you know dispense your own form of justice so you know it
1: ends up with uh
0: you know you're getting a suspension.
1: <laughs> right classic right <laughs> that that part of the fictional spider-man nypd on brand right got that qualified immunity so i can't
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> i know it was a little extreme but it wasn't too extreme so you're gonna have to go on paid leave for a bit until, right, until you work right. that stuff so, out.
1: somebody somebody called the cop union i tried to kill someone right get get me out of get me out of trouble here yeah <laughs> no the uh, <laughs> She she is definitely suspended after that incident, and then, like, the, the next DLC starts, and the story sort of shifts away from her. Yeah. But there is a small section in the follow-up DLC where Spidey goes on this little goose chase. He finds these recordings of uh, a therapist talking to one of the Magi enforcers, and you sort of learn that this therapist was Yuri's therapist, and this therapist was actually like an inside man with the cops. Like he was working to learn more about this Magia enforcer to help Yuri take down the Magia. And the enforcer learns this and kills the therapist uh, like on the recording. It's like terrifying to listen to.
0: Yeah, poor bastard. Because like the Magia enforcer was going to use him to get to Yuri. And then Yuri was using him to get to the Magia enforcer.
1: And this is just, just <laughs> yeah, the guy's just like stuck in the middle of like a literal war.
0: <laughs> so yeah, yeah, man goes into a, like a Starbucks, we'll say. Some coffee shop and then just gets popped by a Magia enforcer on, on camera, or on tape. And so, like, she leaves these, like, clues for Spider-Man about, like, you know, all of these things that were, were ruled suicide, or, like, you know, an accident or something, and and you you go to these crime scenes, and it's, like, obvious these people were murdered. Like, they were pushed off buildings, or electrocuted, or just, just all this, this random shit that just does not happen by accident. And... He's just like, why am I, you know, why am I, is she leaving this for me? And then you get to the final, well, well, then you get to the final tape or yeah, the final tape in the final crime scene. And she calls you and she asks you to meet her somewhere. And so, you know, typical Spider-Man fashion. He's just like, oh, Yuri wants to talk. (laughs) My friend Yuri wants to, my best friend Yuri wants to talk. (laughs) Maybe she feels better now. And so, (laughs) (laughs) Right. He goes to meet her on a rooftop where he finds the Magio enforcer with a bag over his head, dead, like strung up on a pipe. And there is all there are all the crime files for all the people that he's killed scattered about. And then she calls him, calls him and is just like, well, hear me out at first. You know, I just did a lick of good here for the world. And I there is something that she said that stood out. Because, you know, Spider-Man, of course, is like, you can't kill people. It's wrong. Which, he's, he, <laughs> he's right. <laughs> you can't kill people. That is very wrong. Right. Um, but her response is, you know, why are you mad? Because I just took, I just dispensed justice, real justice, and I restored a little bit of balance to the world. That is the same type of thinking that Martin Lee had.
1: 100 percent
0: like by doing the thing that i shouldn't do to the person who objectively deserves it i have now restored some balance to the world and the world itself is a little less evil which is a projection of their own experiences onto the entire world
1: yes 100 percent and that's a slippery slope yeah like, like, think about, think about the Dark Knight and Batman and Joker, right? They literally, that's, like, the theme of the movie, the idea that Batman refuses to kill people, and Joker refuses to stop doing crimes and taunting Batman, and the two will forever be locked in this struggle. Yes. And the, the question of, like, should Batman just kill the Joker and end this? Yuri's answer would be, yeah, like. Kill the dude. He objectively deserves it. He's like this Maji enforcer that I have strung up on this pole. Right. He killed a bunch of people. He killed my therapist. So I exacted revenge and I did a larger good for the world by doing a little bad. That's Yuri's viewpoint. Spidey's viewpoint and the viewpoint of many other heroes. I'd say like Superman, Captain America would all agree with Spidey on this too. Right. Is you can't go to, you can't start sliding down this slope because if you Decide one small bad is okay. How many small bads are enough? Like, where's the line then?
0: Exactly. Because, like, you know, although this person murdered a bunch of people, and, like, a lot of people, and, you know, those people never received justice, like, Yuri is also assuming that this is what the families of those people want. Right. Like, Yuri is dispensing her own justice. Yuri is getting closure for herself but she's not really getting closure for anyone else. And so, like you said, it creates, a, it, it is a slippery slope. Like, yes, this person deserves, like, these people deserve justice, and this person deserves to, f- uh, you know, face justice. And that can be many things, but, like, you know, her killing him is not one. And, you know, after she does it, she says it, it felt good. Like, she has no regrets.
1: Yeah, that's like, crazy to hear. Yeah, it's crazy, and and it's so true that she was, she was sort of inevitably always on this path. Just the fact that she was okay with using Spidey to skirt the law, yeah, means she was going to end up in this place. And all it took was, again, and I keep tying things to Batman today for some reason, but all it took was, like Joker says, one bad day.
0: Yes, and with both of them, it's crazy to see like when they passed, when you know when they c- crossed the line because. It went from, you know, being in the line to towing the line to blazing way past it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Once they got past the line, their perception of justice was completely warped. Like, Yuri mm-hmm. believes that killing criminals is real justice. Martin Lee believed that exposing Norman Osborne and ultimately getting his revenge was, was justice, no matter what, like no matter who had to die. Uh, no matter you know what dark things that they had to do, despite the goodness, the
1: collateral damage was worth it. Like the end goal was all that mattered,
0: right? Because these people needed to be removed from the world, and I mean that's the that's the worst type of thinking that you could have, especially with someone you know who has Yuri's position and Martin's powers.
1: So so wrapping up, let's let's tie everything together. We already sort of have, but. Uh I would love to hear final thoughts, Lawrence, about again, going back to this Charles Dickens quote, both Martin and Yuri allow their hearts to harden, they allow their uh, their tempers, their obsessions, their warped sense of justice to take over, and they allow they eventually allow themselves to have a touch that hurts that literally murders people, causes people to die and property to get hurt and I think, ultimately, what Martin and Yuri show us is their trauma and their pasts came to define them, came to define them in a way that changed the path of their entire life and forced them to, They instead of reckoning with their pasts and potentially moving on from it or accepting it in a healthy way, it totally changed the type of the types of people they became
0: yes i'd agree like i I think the the singular focus on on their trauma like blinded them to the rest of the world around them justice started to become more of like you know a thing like a like a morality thing to to just like an obsession it was you know justice you know justice is good for the world then it's like, justice is really good for me. And then like, this is my version of justice. It was, it was crazy. Like, I think that they both had the potential to be like a Spider-Man, you know, type character. Like the thing that keeps, Mm -hmm. the thing that keeps Peter Parker from becoming like them is because Peter Parker's sense of justice isn't necessarily like, always just his own. He considers the people that are around him. He considers the people whose lives could be affected by his actions. Like Peter Parker takes his trauma and his loss, and he uses that to fuel like, you know, his crusade against crime in a very like,
1: like almost disconnected, like almost like Jedi disconnected way. Yes. Yes. You know, like nothing here is personal for me. I don't have a personal stake which, like, yeah, he sometimes does when MJ gets involved, yada, yada. But, uh, you know, for most of the, the things that Spidey is doing, there's a disconnect. There's a larger sense of justice about how does this help everyone. Right. For Yuri and Martin, the justice is, how do I get what I want? Right. And what I want is justice. Right. Versus, like, justice for all. It's more, more like justice for one. Yes. Yeah, it, it it's it's amazing, and like talking to you about it and expanding on the script and doing the research for it has really like opened my eyes to how well written and well rounded these characters are. Martin Lee showed us that there's light and dark in all of us. Yeah, Yuri showed us that our pasts and our trauma can come to define us, and it's a constant battle that we all have to fight every day. Because it all it could take is one bad day to tip the scales and push us over. It's something we have to reckon with every single day of our lives. And ultimately, Martin and Yuri failed to do that. And they allowed the darker parts of them to define them and take them over. Right. Uh, just wonderful character writing. And it, it says so much about the world and the story of, of Spidey. And I think it's one of the reasons I just, I love the world of Spider-Man. And I lo- I've loved the characters and the villains and the stories. It, it's these really heartfelt truths that these stories reveal about us
0: well that about wraps it up we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did please take a second to rate and review us on apple Podcasts. it really helps us grow the show and be sure to connect with us on instagram and twitter at lore underscore party thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time